What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three diehard Tommy Doyle fans hoping he comes back from the grave with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I hope evil finally dies tonight. I'm Keith Baker, and I think this movie is definitely a freak show. And I'm Austin Terry, and this is the worst movie I've seen in 10 years. On today's show, we'll be discussing the close to David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy with Halloween Ends. But before we get to that, I mean, why do people still live in Haddonfield? I, I don't know. I think it's time to go. I mean, it's such a far departure from like the kind little Midwest town that was presented to us in the in the original movie too. So it, they went from this like charming little town that just wants to celebrate Halloween to everyone's an asshole and screams at you in the grocery store parking lot. <laughs> That's true. The cost of living must be really low because you might there's a chance that you will get killed on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a topic we're going to talk about later, but like literally every single person in this town is an asshole. Michael Myers is doing the world a favor by murdering all these people. After Big John and Little John were killed, a lot of the goodness and hope that was in Haddonfield was taken away from us. <laughs> so I think their deaths uh, kind of translated to a, a more bitter town, to be frank. I think after David Gordon Green took over the franchise, a lot of the goodness and hope that was attached mm. to this IP left the movie as well. Right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Well, speaking of, let's go ahead and just get on into it. I think people are going to assume how we feel, so why not uh, just get there and not hold back? Um, to start, obviously, positive, I can't remember how you felt, Keith. I think you said it was just kind of whatever for you, but I know Austin and I at least really, really, really loved the 2018 Halloween, which was David Gordon Green's first outing. Uh, they basically were like, hey, we're going to keep the first Halloween movie from 1978, John Carpenter's classic, of course. Uh, that still happened, and we're going to tell a movie in 2018 that is a direct sequel. So all of those, like, probably almost 10 at that point, other Halloween movies that took place in the middle or rebooted by Rob Zombie, for example, those were neglected. So we're not worrying about those. This was just a direct continuation. And I just loved seeing like a 40 years later story of where Laurie Strode was at. And she's kind of been able to live without Michael Myers, but she knew in the back of her mind it could always come back. And that was kind of tearing her apart from her family. And the way Michael kind of reenters into that story, it just felt like a really great modern, not only continuation, but almost like an adaptation of the first Halloween. I thought it was scary. I thought it was fun. I thought it had some really hype moments. Um, and it was great. I loved it. And I was excited for more. And then Halloween Kills came out and they their their decision was, let's kind of do a commentary on mob mentality. And it, it actually kind of makes sense from a premise, like, you know, a town that's been kind of plagued with this, like scary story of Michael Myers. It's not totally surprising that something like that could happen. Um, but despite being a good idea, they just kind of botched it. And they chose to not really focus on Laurie Strode very much. She definitely felt just kind of like a small side character in her own franchise. And man, it just it just ended on kind of a dour and weird, bland kind of what what the fuck ever, who cares note. Uh, and I was definitely not excited for the next one. And to get into Ugh, we got to get into it, guys. It's Halloween ends. Um, I was hopeful for it because I remember hearing that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride initially pitched these Halloween movies as just two movies, one called Halloween that we saw in 2018 and one called Halloween ends that would just close the whole thing up. And then there was that weird thing where they decided to make it three and that gave us the kind of weirdly disconnected Halloween kills. Uh, but I was hopeful because it sounded like they must have had an idea for a long time for Halloween ends. 
And I guess now I'll bring you guys in to get kind of your thoughts. And if you feel like reminding anybody of, of your thoughts on the past ones, go for it. But let's just get into it. Austin and Keith, please let me know your non-spoiler thoughts on Halloween Ends. Yeah, I think with Halloween 2018, the, the best thing about that movie is it just makes a lot of sense of like where Laurie Strode would be at after going through this traumatic thing in her formative years with Michael Myers and then how that would impact her for the rest of her life. And actually diving into that psyche was really interesting and seeing how an event like Michael Myers can impact not only Laurie, but the people around her made a lot of sense. Halloween Kills takes it to a point where it just feels goofy. Um, and then Halloween ends. Unfortunately, it's not one of those things like with Kills, it was so bad, it was kind of funny. Halloween ends to me is just so bad it's boring. And that's more offensive to me than being bad it's funny. The plot that's marketed to you in the trailers and stuff isn't what this movie is about at all. And I don't want to go into too much detail because we are in non-spoilers right now. But essentially, Michael Myers is really not in this movie. So if you're a Michael Myers fan, you're going to be pretty disappointed. The writing feels like it was written by a toddler. The plot makes no sense. And the titular Michael Myers isn't in the movie for the finale of his his, uh, trilogy. So I don't know what they were thinking with this one. It's a huge disappointment. And I think this is easily one of the worst movies I have actually seen in 10 years. The way they handle Michael's character in, in Kills is really weird. Like, they pretty much made him, like, a superhuman. I mean, he gets shot, like, 50 times and, like, knives thrown at him, rocks thrown at him, and it doesn't do anything. So you're like, okay, this guy actually, okay, so what are they doing now? Are they making this guy, like, a superhuman, whatever? Is he an alien? Like, what is he? He's definitely not a human anymore. And then going into the ends, and I don't think it's too spoilers to say, they kind of bring back the whole... He's just a man mantra. So it's just so contradicting about what they want to do with Michael. And like you said, Austin, Michael's not even in this one, really. He's really only in like maybe a total screen time of like maybe seven minutes the whole time. If that really weird, weird writing. Matt and I were in the movie theater together watching this one. And the first 30 minutes, we were just looking at each other like going, what's going on? Oh, did you guys actually go see this in theaters? Yeah, Keith and I were talking about that, obviously. For those that don't know, since we're on non-spoilers, this movie is doing the same thing as Halloween Kills, which is it is streaming on Peacock while it is also in theaters. Um, Keith and I ended up seeing theaters. I'm glad we did just because I watched Kills on Peacock and part of me was like, well, maybe if I see it on the big screen with other people, maybe I'll get into the spirit um, and have a better time. But yeah, even though we were in like a like a full theater, I would say pretty full, um, it, it didn't really seem to go over too well. Uh, people were not like there just was not really any like screaming. So the scare element of this film, I would say, didn't seem to connect. Really, the only things I was hearing and like I said, a pretty full theater was just the occasional like laugh. And they weren't laughing at funny things. They were just laughing myself and Keith included. We were just laughing at really bizarre and confusing choices. Um, Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you guys. I think Halloween Kills is obviously a bad movie. Definitely go back and listen to our review on that. I still think that's one of our more just fun conversations because we had a good time with it. And I think the reason we had a good conversation is because you're right. It it was funny and goofy in a way that this one isn't. There just doesn't feel like there's any fun or scares or that like Halloween formula really injected into this one. It's just boring, like Austin said. And I guess I'll get it out of the way now. Like Halloween Kills, I think this one has a lot of great ideas. It has some really cool premises. But also like Halloween Kills, it feels like David Gordon Green and the writing team, like like really good at coming up with ideas to kind of inject and make the Halloween franchise feel different. But they just were not good at all on executing on them to the point where I'm seeing like a vocal minority of people out there saying like, I just don't get it. I mean, I thought this movie was so interesting. It had so many good ideas. Are people really that mad? This one is taking the series in a different direction. 
And I'm reading people saying those things and I'm like, no, I'm not mad that they took it in a different direction. I'm mad that while they did that, it doesn't excuse just absolutely horrendous dialogue. It doesn't excuse character relationships. And when I say relationships, I mean, like, you know, between family members or the start of a romantic relationship that, of course, we'll be talking about. It, it, it isn't none of it is earned. It doesn't make sense. Just because this is a Halloween movie doesn't mean you can fully break like the rules of reality. Like what the characters are doing and saying just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, it's cool that it did something different with the series, but that doesn't excuse just like the basic like character stuff, writing um, and just the way they told the story. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I should, you know, also say that if you are somebody that watched the trailers and was excited for the final showdown, You'll get a little bit of it, but it's, yeah, the whole Michael Myers element is definitely leaving me wanting. I do think what they did with Michael, which I'll end it here, uh, would have been cool in a like standalone Halloween movie, but one that is the third and final in a trilogy that is supposed to like be like, all right, that's the farewell to Halloween. It feels like a really weird choice. I think a lot of what they did with Michael could have been cool in just a different movie called Halloween, if that makes sense. But not this one. Um, definitely did not feel satisfied uh, with to the end of the story. Yeah, it feels like with Halloween 2018, they wanted to tackle trauma and they did a great job there. And then Halloween Kills, they wanted to tackle mob mentality and they did not execute that at all. And then in Halloween Ends, it seems like they wanted to tackle like the whole it takes a village, like can a village create a monster like that type of thing. And that's just not interesting for this type of premise. Like the idea is cool, but the way they executed it is terrible. They make the whole town that the town isn't someone you can root for in this movie because they're all bad people. Like, I'm not joking. It was satisfying to watch Michael murder these people because they're all mean and they're not like fun to spend an hour and a half with. I, I like Michael Myers in this movie and that's not <laughs> what the point of Halloween should be. And Michael Myers as this like unstoppable force that's going to stalk you and like finally get you. That's not in this movie at all. Like that whole premise that they established in 1978 and then in 2018 that's just not there. And that's like the fun part about Michael Myers is like, who's he going to get next? How is he going to kill them? And then how is Laurie Strode going to get out of this? And that whole like recipe for success isn't in this movie. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I agree with uh, all your guys' points. But I think we're, uh, you know, as usual, we're kind of teetering on the edge now. We've gotten our non-spoiler thoughts out of the way. I can't really recommend it. I know you guys agree. So know that going in. But now we'll, of course, open it up because there is actually, despite being a bad movie, some uh, big spoilers and interesting things to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into it. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, I, I hope you enjoy our conversation more than this movie. And if you're still on the fence about whether or not you want to see this movie, I did write down two lines of opening dialogue that I'd like to take you through with no context, because I think this will help you make that decision. Uh, these are the first two lines Laurie Strode says in this movie. Oh, fuck, it's my pie. I wanted to bake you a fucking pie for Halloween. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. Austin and Keith, one last time for this franchise. Let us know the cast and crew. Please let it be the last time. <laughs> uh, so Halloween Ends is directed by David Gordon Green, who you may know from Pineapple Express, Joe, Stronger, and the previous two Halloween films. It's written by Green, and then he's joined by Danny McBride, Paul Brad Logan, and Chris Bernier. And our score for this movie is composed by Halloween 1978 original creator and director John Carpenter, as well as his son Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies. I was telling Keith there was a lack of that this time. I needed more of it. Where was it? Well, it's because Michael's not in the movie. Oh. <laughs> Can't have his theme song if he's not there. That's true. Corey needed a theme song. I wonder what his would be. I don't know. I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I <laughs> suck. 
All right, and going through our cast, we have Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, returning as Laurie Strode, Andy Matichak as Allison, Rohan Campbell as Corey Cunningham, Will Patton returning as Deputy Hawkins, Kyle Richards as Lindsay, James Jude Courtney and Nick Castle as The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, hopefully a whole lot of negatives. What do we got? Yeah, I have no positives. Uh, my negative is everybody in this movie. I think everybody sucked. There's not a single standout performance. There's like, I know Matt said the themes are cool ideas, but I thought the execution was terrible. So I think that sucked too. Um, I don't know how Jamie Lee Curtis signed on for three of these. She's a great actress who's just like really bogged down by this franchise. Um, yeah, I thought everything sucked. I have no positives. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I mean, I honestly kind of struggle to pick a positive. I guess I have probably called that before. I've always liked John Carpenter's uh, theme song going back to 1978. So he's still doing a good job with that. Uh, so that's cool. But yeah, I mean, the thing that stands out to me with what Austin says is I could even like go through everybody and kind of break it down one by one. I think David Gordon Green did a really bad job like bringing this all together. I think the writing, like I said before, I think some of the premises are cool. So I guess shout out to them for that. But I can't shout them out too hard because I thought the execution on Almost all of it was pretty terrible, so that wasn't great. Uh, and then as for the cast, I guess it, it sucks that people that I called out as positives in like Halloween 2018 and maybe even in Halloween Kills, I think are marketably either worse in this movie or the writing for them just doesn't support the journey the character went on in the last two films. I know I, I know for sure I called out Andy Matichek as a positive in one of the movies, and I thought her storyline and her acting, I mean, it, it was just a big downgrade, which was unfortunate to see. Same thing with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and then negatives like Will Patton and Kyle Richards, I like, got, they were fine, but they weren't really in it. And they were main characters before. I guess my one positive would be Rohan Campbell as Corey. Like, again, I don't love really at all what they ended up doing with that character after like the premise got out of the way. Um, but his performance was good. You know, it's kind of like the opposite, I guess, of the Andy Matichik as Allison situation, at least for me. It's just like I thought that was a downgrade for a bad character. At least this one I thought was a better performance. Still a bad character, though. So still kind of just a slight positive. But I guess I should be at least a little bit positive. I guess I'll shout out uh, Rohan as well. I think I'm with you, Matt. I think the performance was good. But what they did with his character was a complete spin and... Uh, not what I was not what I was expecting, and not what I was wanting. I was not expecting for him to be taken over by Michael's powers and <laughs> turned into a disciple of Michael. That was a weird twist that I did not enjoy. I think my biggest negative is honestly David Gordon Green, just because one, the premise that he created was is terrible, and two, the scares in this movie are really bad. It's not scary at all, and it's the same scare over and over. It's a jump scare timed with a really loud like note of music, and that's a, he does the same thing over and over, and it just kind of got annoying by the time the movie ended. There's not a single like creative scare in this movie at all. Yeah, honestly, the only scary thing about this movie is that I read today that uh, next year, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride have teamed up again, and they're doing an Exorcist sequel. And it's the exact same scenario as Halloween 2018, where they're ignoring all of the Exorcist sequels, with the exception of the first one. And this movie is going is going to be like a whatever it is, like a 50 plus year later sequel following up with Ellen Burstyn's character, because I guess someone else starts to have like a possessed child. And so they bring her into hell because she's experienced it, too. So... If they had announced that after Halloween 2018, maybe it'd been like, oh, cool. It's the Danny McBride and David Gordon Green like horror reboots. But after this, I, I hope that movie gets canceled. 
Yeah, what studio executive watched Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends and thought, hey, let's give them more? I couldn't tell you. All right, guys, it is time to go a little bit deeper. So let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. This is just the main part of the show where each of us brought a couple points that we felt that we really needed to talk about. We were really itching to get into. So Austin and Keith, who wants to start us off? Yeah, so they marketed this movie as the final showdown between Michael and Laurie Strode. And in reality, the majority of the movie is a Michael imposter just going around and doing Michael-like things. I thought this premise was boring as hell. I want to know overall, how did you guys feel about this? Because this is the main crux of the movie. Um, it's baffling to me that this movie opens with Corey being framed or at least like an accidental murder of a kid he's babysitting. How does this movie not open with Corey's babysitting, Michael's in the house, kills the kid, and Corey gets framed for it? That seems like the most obvious way to start this movie. It just everything they did was baffling to me with this character. I don't know if I agree with that part of it. Again, that's part of the premise that worked for me. Like, it's not totally unsurprising to me that having someone die in that way, particularly in Haddonfield, even if it's just clearly an accident, there's still going to be some people that somehow tie it in to Michael in some weird way. So I know people weren't saying like, oh, Corey's Michael Myers. I know it wasn't anything like goofy like that. But I don't know. There, there was part of it that worked. You know, he accidentally kills this kid. They set up pretty strongly that he has a bright future ahead of him. And then cut four years later to where basically all the movie takes place and we see where he's at in his life and it's not good. So I guess that's just a little bit a part of that premise that worked for me, because at that point, once we got to know him, I wasn't surprised to then see him kind of devolve into this Michael Myers disciple, like you said, so to speak, because it was weird that he was caught by Michael Myers and then Michael let him go. So then the idea that the killing started again and it's him. Parts of that idea worked for me and at least made sense. But then again, for like the millionth time, as the movie keeps going on and tries to elevate and can like kind of grow and continue along that trajectory with that idea, that's where it's just like, ugh, yeah, you had me a little bit in the beginning, but eh, you've lost me. My biggest thing is this is a Michael Myers movie, not a Corey Campbell movie. So that's why I think Michael should be more tied to the beginning. I do agree that I think the only thing that works with this is, yes, people do see Michael in this murder, and then they show to other things that have happened around Haddonfield for four years, and people dying, kids dying, and, and everyone thinks it's Michael Myers. So I did like that, showing like how much Michael has impacted this town, but that's like the only part of this premise I think that worked for me. I think I'm kind of with you, Matt. I, I did like the beginning of this. Well, like is a strong word, but I thought it was <laughs> one of the more decent twist of the movie if there was any twist i think the best one was that yeah michael myers was not the killer at the beginning the other case i'll make for having michael involved at the opening of the movie is i think it is a more natural way to bring laurie strode into the story because laurie strode knows michael so well that if Corey is kind of framed for a, a michael killing she can kind of be the one making the case that no Corey's innocent this is michael myers and then maybe the town thinks she's crazy and i just feel like that would have been a more organic story that's where i thought we were headed and Obviously, I'm not the one writing the movie, so we didn't go that way. But Yeah, I think I'm on the opposite side, but I definitely hear what you're saying because uh, Lori isn't, you know, very. Lori is only integrated well into the story because she's the main character of the franchise, not because they actually introduced her in an interesting way in this movie, trying to write her memoir. Um, I, again, maybe another good idea. I like the idea that, you know, after four years have passed, Lori is clearly doing better. She's not living off in that compound. She's, you know, trying to live a normal life, uh, so to speak. Uh, parts of that were interesting, but it's just, as the movie went on, again, it just started to lose me and lose me more. Um, and then I guess going back to just your initial question, like I didn't really pay too much attention to the marketing of this movie, but 
I did obviously see parts that, oh, it's the final showdown. And yes, we do get a, a, a final showdown at the end between them, but it's just very quick and it kind of begs the question, how did, yeah, this kind of felt somewhat easy. So that was disappointing. But anyway, just real quick to go back to the actual question you were asking, the thing that also makes this weird when thinking about marketing and what they were selling this time is, weirdly enough, this doesn't feel like that big of a continuation of Halloween Kills. I mean, really, the big twist at the end of that movie is like that mob mentality, that evil that is kind of being brewed within Haddonfield. I think the way we're supposed to look into that is that evil is giving Michael more power. So now he's less of a man and he's more of like this immortal, unstoppable being. And maybe it didn't work for everybody. But again, I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Very weird in this movie that only four years have passed and now he's just dying. I guess what they were going for is they were like, well, people in the town are kind of moving on. You know, the idea of Michael four years later isn't as scary because where has he been? So maybe it's like that whole thing of like the fact that people are forgetting him kind of is taking away that power. And now he's becoming more of just a man. But the reason I thought that was weird is because if you watched Halloween Kills and then immediately started Halloween Ends, He's in like the last two minutes of kills. He's this unstoppable being and like this new twist. And then it just immediately in this one, he's not. It just just feel like, I don't know, just bizarre. It was like, OK, well, why would you even do that? You could have just kept him kind of this man that's hard to beat. But they just opted to kind of throw that out the window. Did you guys catch where he had been for the last four years? Because I must have missed that. Did he just get stuck in the sewers? I don't know if he was stuck, but I, I yeah, for whatever reason, I guess that's just, that just became his home for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into it, because this is probably one of the more disturbing parts of this movie and really upsetting writing moments of the movie, and that's with Allison and Corey and their relationship. Watching this in theaters with Matt, we were looking at each other like 10 minutes into this movie going, what is going on? So Lori picks up Corey after he gets beat up by the high school bullies and takes him to the hospital where Allison is a nurse. And she falls for this dude immediately. Doesn't even know who he is, really. There's really no dialogue at all. And then all of a sudden, they are in a relationship, full-on boyfriend-girlfriend. What did you guys think of all this? This is, this is weird. This is a really awkward part of the movie. Yeah, I literally have in my notes, relationship is so quick between these two, because it doesn't make any sense. She like gives him stitches, and then next thing you know, they're making out on this motorcycle bike. And I think later she says, like, I see myself in you, but... That's the only justification they get for how quick she falls for him. Yeah, I'm sure they were trying to play with the idea of, you know, she's lost her like immediate family now. She's lost at least that one guy that she was dating at the time of the first round of murders. So I don't know, with maybe all the deaths, there could be this element of just trying to find somebody. Maybe they're not even right for you, but just trying to fill that void. Uh, maybe that's a part of it. But that again, whether or not that was the intent or the idea, that doesn't excuse the fact that yeah, you know, have her have a relationship, and if you want the twist to be it's with the main villain of the movie, fine, but it doesn't excuse the bad dialogue, and it certainly doesn't excuse the pacing of it, like you guys just said. It's like literally the second scene they share together is her, like, showing up at this salvage yard where he works and going, like, want to give me a ride on this boy? Like, about the motorcycle. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it was just, <laughs> I don't care if the idea was good or they were trying to be subtle. I do not care. I only care about, you know, the writing and the presentation, and nobody out there can tell me that it isn't goofy. Like, you can tell me all the ideas in this movie are fresh and, you know, exciting and different, but that doesn't excuse how poorly just executed, like, this relationship was. I don't care. It's bad. <laughs> he also shows up to our house multiple times in the middle of the night, disheveled and covered in blood. 
and she doesn't think anything's weird about that. Yeah. Like after I think Lori says, like, hey, he's got some evil in him, and she's like, how dare you? Don't how could you pie. say that about my boyfriend? He takes her to the house where the kid died, and he lays on the floor on a pillow where the kid had died, yeah. and she's like the there, like, oh my god, yeah, like this is awesome, romantic. Like, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is fucked up. <laughs> Remember last year when they told us this movie would address the COVID-19 pandemic? I was thinking about that, too. I forgot about that. <laughs> and they just skipped it. They're just like, that's yeah, four years later. COVID happened. They don't really address it. I don't know. <laughs> A Michael movie set in quarantine. I know. That's like, what we that said, That actually too. sounds interesting. We laughed when we first said it, but then we were like, well, actually, the idea of Michael returning during this quarantine is kind of a cool idea. But they didn't. They didn't do that. He has like a blue mask on over yeah, his other mask. Yeah, he still wears a mask <laughs> over the mask. <laughs> He's very COVID safe. Yeah, he always has. Going back to your point, Austin, about the town being assholes. Let's talk about her weirdo, older, maybe ex-boyfriend Doug. That comes into the picture at the restaurant. That guy was like 45. He's like using his authority as a police officer to stalk her too. Yeah. And like I said, I was happy that Corey killed that guy because he was an asshole. Like everybody else in this town. There you go. Corey and Michael are the heroes of Haddonfield. (laughs) The heroes of Haddonfield. Wow. They show you multiple times that they're trying to explore the psyche of a town like living in the shadow of Michael Myers, but it's just an execution thing. There's not a single nice person in this town and i also found it very weird that they were all blaming laurie strode for michael myers like at one point laurie was a victim of michael i don't know how you make the jump that michael myers is laurie's fault i don't know why they forgot that because the town was on her side for the most part in the first two movies so it's weird that four years pass and she's clearly like living her life in a much better way but as she's like getting better the town hates her more i don't know it was odd to be sure yeah, it's like they can't decide who they want to hate because she was the one warning them about Michael. They weren't believing her uh, that he was coming back or that he was back. And then now they're saying, uh, you provoked him to do all those murders back in Halloween Kills times. Yeah, another interesting idea, but just one that even from the outset, you don't really fully buy into because the previous movies didn't set up that that was like this lingering question really for her. What did you guys take from the first interaction between Corey and Michael? Why, like, why do you think Michael let Corey go? We've never seen him really show mercy before. My read again was just that I think he's seeing somebody that maybe has the potential for evil. I think that's all it was. I think maybe Michael saw a potential protege. Um, again, cool idea, but it just ne- it never fully comes together. Um, like, I guess I'll just stop saying that because I could say about anything in this movie. But yeah, that's kind of how I read it. I think maybe he just saw someone that was similar to him. Did you guys think it was weird that he also like all of a sudden had Michael powers like Corey did, like he was healing, he was throwing himself off of buildings and surviving. None of that made sense to me. Well, it goes back to the supernatural aspect of like, what, what are they trying to do there? Are they trying to say that he does have some kind of superpower? Because whenever he does grab uh, Corey in the sewer and he pulls him close and you think he's going to kill Corey or choke him to death, it just does all these flashbacks of Michael's murders through all the other movies. And then you see Corey's eyes change. So it's like, oh, did he transfer some power to him or something like that? Is that that's what I thought happened? Like, okay, so he either he transferred some power to Corey, or is he putting himself inside of Corey's body? Like maybe taking over Corey's body. I know it's weird to talk about Michael Myers' motives, but another weird thing they dropped. Remember in Halloween Kills when there was kind of that fun reveal that Michael isn't really interested in. 
obviously he's interested in killing, but it's not about killing Lori. Lori, the reason like her life got so fucked up is because she thought Michael had this personal vendetta. He didn't. He just wanted to go home and stare out that window. And that's how Halloween Kills ends, remember, with him killing Judy Greer, the daughter, and then just staring out the window. Also weird that they just completely dropped that. This movie just picks up and he's living in the sewers. It's like, okay, did he get his fill of the house? <laughs> they bulldoze his house, they tell us in the oh, beginning, that's too. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he doesn't have a window to look out anymore. But anyway, what, what I was getting at was then it's like, oh, that could have been a good opportunity then. Like, they bulldoze the house. Maybe now he develops a personal vendetta. Now maybe even Michael Myers blames Laurie Strode for that. So now he is going after Laurie. That could have been interesting. But to talk about what they did instead is Michael just, even when he's on screen, he's just kind of passive this time. It really is Corey being in full charge. And it's weird that Michael is kind of complicit in Corey, like trying to get, what's the word? I don't know. Corey, the people Corey is killing most of the time is people that he feels have wronged Allison in some way. Like whenever uh, he lures the cop ex-boyfriend who after making a scene he and Michael kill him. It's like, oh, he's trying. That to... also seems like Michael got his strength back there, too. Right. And then the even weirder example is Allison getting passed over for a promotion because the person that got it is sleeping with the doctor. So then Corey and Michael go and kill them because Allison should have got that promotion. It's just weird seeing Michael like complicit in these acts of like fucked up love <laughs> on Corey's end. Just goofy. I thought. I thought for sure there was going to be a scene where Corey's like, Allison, Michael's not who you think he is. He's a good guy. You want to meet him? And then he was going to like take Allison to meet Michael. Oh, my God. That would have been horrific. (laughs) (laughs) Even the final showdown they couldn't get right either because it's like, okay, Corey kills himself because he can't have Allison. Uh, Lori briefly seems to be blamed for that, causing Allison to flee. Uh, But then Michael just is there also. Uh, we just see Michael's hand creep out and grab his mask back. and That was the only shot I liked in the movie. Yeah, and that's the big moment where it's like, okay, now it's Michael versus Laurie. So I guess Michael is just there because he follows Corey around now. <laughs> when he sees Corey's dead, he just takes his mask back. I don't know. Also, with Allison being there, it's like literally just show her the mask and the knife and the outfit Corey's wearing. It's very oh, yeah. obvious that <laughs> yeah. he's being like Michael Myers. This yeah. shouldn't be like a hard thing for her to understand. I guess we should talk about like the actual showdown between Michael and Laurie, because that is, you know, that's the selling point for the movie. Uh, It's lame as hell. They fight on a kitchen counter and then that's it. Yeah, really short, really lame. And obviously you as the viewer are kind of like, okay, I guess Michael's just a man now. They're telling me that in this movie. So I guess the showdown will end with one or both of them dying. And I think in 2018, they set up that Laurie would have to die in order to kill Michael. Like her death would mean that he could finally die. They didn't do that here. She just, you know, finally gets an upper hand, stabs him. And Allison runs in after getting the notice that Laurie called to uh, to commit suicide, ostensibly. But then she tricks Michael. You thought I was going to kill myself. You stupid. Well, no, she tricks Corey. Yeah, oh, yeah. Corey. See, I forgot. Did you really think I'd kill myself? <laughs> Son of a bitch. I got a pie in the oven. Um, and then Allison runs in and her big contribution after everything that's happened to her is she just gets to break Michael's arm. And then the killing blow is like, I guess, yeah, they do slit his throat. But then the final one is just like cutting his wrist vertically. And then that is the end of Michael Myers. So, yeah, completely agree. Completely rushed. Final showdown. Uh, not super well shot and just completely not satisfying, like at all. I'm not going to lie. I felt kind of dirty watching like 
these final scenes, like it almost felt like they're really glorifying suicide. I know that wasn't the intent, but the way they kill Michael, Lori is, you know, Lori at one point has a gun in her mouth. Uh, they're vertically cutting Michael's wrists, which is another way you commit suicide. Like I, I did not like the way they handled that. Yeah, I think the fight between him and him and Lori should have definitely been cooler, and it should have had a cooler death. I did not like the fact that Lori was taking her sweet, kind of psychotic time with it. You know, like you, you, you were my enemy all these years, and she's like just looking at the knife all creepily. It's like, God dang, Lori, like you're just as fucked up as he is now. Yeah, she seems more sadistic than Michael does in that yeah. scene. And then she's like, yeah, like you said, Austin, cutting the wrist very slowly, cutting the neck slowly. It's like, geez, just shoot him in the head or stab him in the in the whatever, you know, just a quicker death. I think I was hoping for, like, a, yeah, a, a, an all-out brawl, but a, like a quick death, like at the end, not some weird sadistic show that she was putting on. It was weird. And then that other sheriff is like, Haddonfield needs to heal, so they drag his body through the streets. Like, I, it just felt so weird and just like, I, yeah, dirty. Dirty is the only word I can think of. I felt really dirty watching that scene. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't satisfied by any of it, but I understood those things. Like, for me, it didn't feel like glorifying suicide. I, c I could definitely hear you when it came to the Lori part um, with, like, uh, with the gun. Um, I think there's, like, a fine line to walk with, like, kind of portraying suicide and, like, glorifying it. Didn't tip over for me. Um, and, I, yeah, I kind of agree with you where it's like, come on, Lori, just finish it. Like, you don't need to, like, take your time here. Part of me was like, maybe after just all of the death she's experienced over 40 years from this guy, she's earned a little bit of that nature. So I was kind of okay with it. I mean, he did kill her daughter. So I was fine with parts of that. And I was also kind of fine with, you know, I, how should I say this? I guess I should just say, I'm glad there was no, like, this is the end. Was it a satisfying end? No, but this is Halloween ends. This is the end of Michael Myers in this continuity. There's no way he's coming back. They easily could have not done what they did to his body and then have the last shot be him like popping up like, ooh, I'm I'm back. Like they I was totally expecting they would do that. I thought we'd see Corey holding the mask right, for the final too. shot of the movie. Um so I, I hear your guys' points, but I was actually okay with them dragging through the street and completely destroying the body because it also felt like a little bit of a follow-up from the earlier stuff in the movie. This was kind of their way to prove to the entire town that, hey, Lori, obviously, whoever's blaming, like whoever's blaming Lori, you're stupid, stop. But also we are going to show you the entire town. This is Michael Myers. This is his body. I know this is fucked up and there are kids here, but we are destroying the body and we want you to be there to see it because Maybe the sheriff was kind of right to a degree. I mean, we've seen what the idea of Michael Myers has done to this town for 40 years. Maybe they needed to see him completely destroyed to actually move on and heal. I know it's fucked up and I still don't think it was satisfying, but I kind of understood some of those choices, at least. The general idea that the town needs to see a dead Michael Myers, that makes a lot of sense. But I think part of it, too, is just the writing for all the characters involved in that scene. Like you have the random cops who are like, hey, hey, this ain't how we do stuff. And then you yeah. have the other cop that we haven't seen since i think halloween 2018 he pulls up and he's like it is tonight like he immediately gets out mm -hmm. and, like understands and i feel like they were going for jokes in that scene which nothing no writing in this movie is funny especially if that since this is a team that's like from pineapple express like their comedy's horrible in this franchise too <laughs> so yeah i all this just felt very dumb and i was i was honestly rolling my eyes like for the entire final act of this movie all right well i thought it might be fun before we close out here um while this is the end, 
Uh, we know that Blumhouse was basically contracted to have these three movies, and Jason Blum has said that after this, they don't have the rights anymore. The rights reverted back to either the, the, the original producer or someone else that has the rights, I don't know. Uh, and we know David Gordon Green is not continuing this continuity. So this is the end. But despite that, I think Halloween is just such like huge name brand cachet. So there's there's no way that this franchise is never going to come back. There will be different Halloween movies. I, I would imagine they would have to reboot it to some degree. Uh, so I guess my question for you is now that we have like the original series of films that all share continuity. And then we got the Rob Zombie reboot, which was just a retelling of Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. And then we got this iteration, which just disregarded all of those and just is a sequel to the first one and then tells its own story over three movies. I guess my thing is, can they really reboot it and just have it be like like a different take on the Laurie Strode and Michael Myers thing? Or do you think they just kind of keep Michael Myers as the shape, as that, you know, classic horror figure? I do something completely different. So that's my question to you. What can they do with a different or new Halloween movie that would actually entice you guys? Like what sounds exciting that would be better than what we got with this trilogy? What's exciting to me is a new story with Michael Myers. Cause I mean, Michael Myers is like one of the titular most, most famous horror villains. So I think you need more stories with him. I don't think it always has to be the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode story. Um, I would just want to see a new story told with Michael Myers involved. But I want to see it in the hands of like a team that I trust. I'd, I'd actually really like to see Andy Machete, who did It's Part 1 and 2. I'd like to see him like kind of pick up and, and do a take on the Halloween franchise. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we need another Laurie Strode, Michael Myers story. Like, let's do a different take. Maybe it's still set in Haddonfield, obviously, but Laurie Strode could just belong to Jamie Lee Curtis and that's it for her character. I don't think they need another, another younger actress coming in. Let's change it up and do an entirely different story. Um, I'm with you, Austin. Some people like that. You mentioned the It guys in there. Or maybe do something like really sinister and maybe get the, the guy who did um, Hereditary or Midsommar to do like Ooh, a... Ari Aster, yeah. Yeah, get him to do a weird Halloween series. Um, yeah, lots of possibilities. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would throw out the whole Laurie Strode. Just let it, let it be done. I agree. That's kind of where I was leaning, Keith. I was thinking it might be fun to get somebody with more like psychological flair and tell like a really different Michael Myers story. I think Ari Aster is a genius call. I was kind of also thinking maybe someone like Jordan Peele, uh, you know, to see them yeah. take on a story and just do something wildly different. You know, you keep the title Halloween, you keep Michael Myers as your central figure, but might be like telling like a, not necessarily like a thriller, but like, like a more like a deeply like scarring emotional or like psychological story I think could be, Maybe that needed freshness that the series actually needs. Again, I'll say it for the last time. I think there were some great ideas from David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and the team, but execution was always their issue after the first one, after 2018. So, I, I, yeah, let's get someone in there that I think you know has proven time and time again, at least in like the horror space, that they could do something kind of cool and different. I think too, if we can't have like a a good serious like scary Michael Myers story, then I want like a fun Michael Myers story. And so I, after talking about Planet Terror for our Halloween bracket, I'd even like to see Robert Rodriguez take up the mantle mm. and make his take on it. I'd be fine with like going in that direction too, like the opposite, just like telling a more like fun slasher. I'm always down for something like that. Maybe Mike Flanagan will do a series. Mike Flanagan, I'd be down for that. A Mike Flanagan, cool Michael too. Myers TV show for Netflix. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's tons of great options. Netflix should pay us for our ideas. (laughs) (laughs) They'll come up with a chick. (laughs) We're giving them out for free at this point. 
Uh, all right. Well, one last time for our boy Michael Myers until they inevitably reboot it. Let's do our Arnie's Podcast Awards as the part of our show before we close out where we can just shout out something. Can be positive, can be negative, or it can be anything in between. Um, what are you guys thinking? What what should we award here? I, I'm sure it's going to lean negative. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give the Mopey Goth Queen Award to Laurie Strode in her memoir. Mm. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me here is, is one line that she narrates to us. Suicide or cherry blossoms. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was concerning. <laughs> and doesn't she ask Will Patton, uh, Deputy Hawkins, later, what about those cherry blossoms? Yep. He's yes, like, Keith, that's because it's circling back. She, she wants chose to the cherry, cherry blossoms, blossoms over tree, suicide. also a reference to his Don't penis. you understand the semblance of Halloween ends, Keith? Oh, my bad. Oh, sorry. You're right. <laughs> I should have caught that. <laughs> oh, this movie was terrible. <laughs> All right. I got an award. Um, it's the... I'm going to give out the... Cat caught your tongue award to the radio man. His tongue gets snipped off by Corey. That was a pretty gnarly kill. Probably one of the craziest kills of the movie. The tongue on the record player and then hearing it in other people's cars was actually a pretty creative shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my award is just to somebody that they didn't deserve to go the way they did. Does, do most people deserve to die in the Halloween franchise? Probably not. But I do agree with Austin that sometimes in Halloween kills and Halloween ends in particular, and this trilogy, you don't feel they do. as bad when it happens. But there was one in Halloween Ends that I want to give an award because I think he deserves the good stepfather and I'm sorry you died award. And that goes to Corey's dad, who brutally just gets shot through the head for no real reason. It made me sad. Corey's mom, she got what she deserved. Oh. That lady was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> she had a thick Boston accent, too, which I thought was funny. Oh, we do have to talk real quick about the motorcycle scene. Remember? Oh, my God. How did we not talk about this? Yes, Keith, please, please explain. Yeah, Corey's straight up on like on a rampage at this point, I guess. And it cuts to him on the motorcycle. And you're like, holy shit, is it going to be Michael on the back of the motorcycle? <laughs> I started laughing so oh, hard. Like holding on to Corey. <laughs> yeah. We thought for a second it was going to be. And I was actually going to be kind of happy <laughs> that it was. There is a meme now that I saw. Uh is literally i guess other people have the same idea keith and i did because there is a meme you can look up which is Corey, and then you just see michael sitting behind him with his mask on so oh that's hilarious so look that up it, uh, that'll give you uh, more enjoyment than the entirety of this film uh hopefully this conversation did too and if you never really had too much interest in halloween ends uh hopefully you listen to this and you never see the movie but with that if you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you ever get your podcasts. really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. Technically, with our Halloween bracket, uh, the Midnight Club review, and Halloween ends, that is kind of the phasing out of our... Uh, Horror-related content for Spooky Season, unless next week, Black Adam is a horror in its own right. But I don't care, because Austin, it is time. We need to discover if the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is truly changing. I'm so tired of seeing The Rock retweeting people on Twitter who have seen his movie going, The Rock did it! He changed the hierarchy of power! <laughs> Jeez. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. I hope this movie's good just so I can stop seeing it trending on Twitter. Yeah. I think it's going to be terrible, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. I don't have high hopes. 
And lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of Halloween ends? What do you think of the Corey and Michael situation? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our season of spooky content. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Rest easy tonight, because even though this movie sucked, evil did in fact die tonight. See ya. I want to bake you a fucking pie for Halloween. <laughs> 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 <laughs>